welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. This is going to be the first of a series that I'm really looking forward to, and that's bringing really, really important people in front of you from an aspect of really being able to to better your business, better your life, uh, better your decision-making, and probably just do a really good job of giving you direction. If you're someone who's trying to grow a career, if you're trying to grow a business, I'm trying to bring on some people that are just icons within their field. And I want to do this through several different demographics. But the first demographic that I wanted to do, and it kind of boiled down to timing too, is um, I've got Jeremy here, the president. Is it president? What what title CEO. did you take? You took CEO? Yeah. Okay. CEO of Traeger. Self-proclaimed. Yeah. <laughs> and where all have you been before that? Because it's hard for me to keep track. You, you know what? So uh, it's a good question. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the headline answer, which is I was all over the place early in my career. I went, I left school and I became a management consultant and I got bored. So I started day trading stocks full time. And then I said, eh, for a lot of reasons that was wrong for me. So I started building real estate. Uh, I went to business school, then I was an investment banker in London. It's like, I didn't know that. Rhyme or reason, I started a frozen beverage supply company in Dallas. It's like, <laughs> good good luck connecting the dots on all these things. And and, and here's why. Such what, a here, perfect story. Look, I, I got to tell you, there's, um, careers are interesting. Um, you know, looking back, I can connect the dots and sort of define why each of these why each of these moments was important to me and what I learned, both for good and for bad. Yeah. Like it's not it's not it's not all straight up. Yeah. Um but um all of these things led me to a moment in my career where I found what I loved, and that was uh when uh I partnered with Rick Alden and built a brand called Skull Candy. Yeah. And and that was sort of uh it wasn't the beginning of my career and, and when people say, you know, boy what what a story I say, you've only heard the second half of the story. Yeah, The first half is unremarkable, but it's actually where I learned the most about me. And then I spent eight years at Skull Candy, um, built it, took it public, and uh, ended up buying this amazing, magical little brand with a uh, financial partner called Traeger. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. It's changed a lot of people's lives. Uh, my My own included. A lot of people say that you only have one life to live, but I honestly, looking back at mine, I feel like I've lived four to five lives right now based on decisions like you're saying where, you know, I look back and it's like I sold Cutco knives door to door. And then all of a sudden, which seems weird, but it worked at the time. It kind of worked with my schedule of all my sports. And then my very first job in the archery industry was with a bow company called Matthews. And there was hardly any employees at the time. It grew, it grew huge when I was there. But I remember Matt saying like, why do you feel like the, the way the company started too, which you'll find this interesting, it was all COD over the phone. There was no traveling reps. It was cold call, cold calls, selling bows, with cod delivery and the pricing was structured to where people the dealers had an incentive to take the cod but the fact the fact was we didn't have enough money to where we could do net terms wow. it had to be cod it had to be cod so i remember matt um he met me at a trade show and he he pursued me several times to get me to come there because he's like i just your people skills from an 18 year old standpoint, I've never seen like people skills like this. And so when I finally said like, yeah, you know, I think it's something that I would want to do. He's like, how do I really know you're going to be able to sell at the time dealer costs on the bows were right around 500 bucks. He said, how do I know you can sell $500 bows COD over the phone, you know, essentially telemarketing. And I just said, well, if I can sell, sounds hard. Yeah. 
honestly, a lot of people failed at it, you know, reps that would come in and try it and they just, it was hard to do. And I just said, well, if I can sell thousand dollar knife sets door to door, totally cold, then I'm sure I can sell a $500 bow. And he goes, did you sell Cutco? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, did you do any good? I'm like, I still get checks. And he's like, you know what? I don't have anything to worry about. He's like, he goes, I remember a kid sold me on a set of those. And when we left, I thought, how did this kid sell me on like on these knives? Cause you know, back at the time, a thousand dollar knife set, mid nineties, oh <laughs> that'd be like buying $2,500 set now. Right. So it was, um, that for me, it's like those little building blocks, you know, selling knives door to door. And then all of a sudden you get this sales job where it's all like telemarketing, let me start expanding my shooting career. And then, you know, obviously once you get to a certain part in a shooting career, then I went out on my own and all these little things behind me, just like, it actually mapped this perfect, like how a tree grows. I think each of those roots is a life. You know, it feels like it's another you branch bet. of my life. And what you're describing, I'm seeing it the same. It's like, to me, the second half seems awesome. But like when you plant something, because I love planting food plots. Yeah. Sometimes what's frustrating is some of the coolest plants, they have to establish a root base long before you see them. And it might be two to three years, like switchgrass. I think which that's is, a great analogy. You know, it's like the, the seed has to crack. Yeah. And then it's like, why isn't it coming up? Why is it only six inches tall? It's like it's focused on putting the roots down we, 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 which before is it comes up. But you know, I think this is such. A, I think there's there there's so much in what what you're saying, and one one of there are a couple of things that I that that I take away from that and attribute to myself early on, which is it's so it it's so easy to become impatient around where you're going, and I think we see it even more and more today, mm-hmm. where there's an expectation of like immediate satisfaction and gratification. And the reality is, and, and and I think the analogy around planting and nurturing and a root system forming before you see what comes out of the earth, um, that's life. Like yeah. you, you, you've got to build a foundation and you've got to be gritty and hungry and recognize that you're investing in something that's meaningful long-term, yeah. but you don't see it the next day. Yeah, And, and it's actually, like, I, I remember early on, like I was just impatient to do something important, mm-hmm. and I I I, I, I kind of I had a direction for where I was going, and you know I look back and I think I, I look at all of these, the these moments that could seem uh, random from the outside, they were building blocks, and I didn't know exactly where they were going to take me. But here's one of the lessons I learned looking back: if you wake up every day and you grind and you work hard. Um, and you create value in whatever you're doing, you may not know exactly what the what the end point is, but when you get there, and, and there's no end point. Of yeah, a career. yeah. But, I, but yeah. I sort of look at my own career, my my own career in life right now, and I feel incredibly grateful and satisfied, and I love it. But you don't love it every day on the way. And you just got to be willing to kind of grind in in in. There's some uncertainty, but but have confidence that there's a leap leap of faith that if you work hard, you'll end up in a good place. And that's when you actually understand the building blocks better Yep. when you look back on the journey. Yeah. I, give, I like analogies. I'm one of these learners where if I have analogies, I remember them. And one of the things you're saying right now, I can relate to a topic I get a lot in archery because when we build arrows, the arrows that we sell, when we build them, you have to glue you essentially glue in this insert that the tip screws into. And it's a 24-hour epoxy for that. And a lot of people are like, can I use like a one-minute epoxy? And I say, you can, but epoxy that dries faster is more brittle. It's a temporary thing. Will it, have the, will it be the same for a shorter period of time? Yes. If you're going to impact targets continually, wow. it cracks, and then your points fall out. 
So you need a slow cure epoxy because this arrow is going to be something that's going to take long-term impact. 100%. And it's like, you know, I think so many things that people are trying to do today in business, they're trying to to start something. And I had this conversation with a guy yesterday. It's a product that, that we OEM from him. And he was telling me, it's just, you know, I'm trying to go to to different markets quick. I called him because he was putting his product in like another competitor's space, like right away. And I know where is his biggest account. So I said, well, why wouldn't you have called me and told me that you wanted more rather than do that without telling me. And he's like, well, I just really need this to grow faster. And I'm thinking certain things there aren't like, there's not, there's not hacks to, there's not, it takes nine months to make a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it takes time. By the way, I love your analogies, and I feel like I should be taking notes. And <laughs> those were both so good. Well, there's, it's the same with like you and I are both really into our family. It's the same Big way. Time. If you want someone where you're just gonna, you think you're gonna like fall in love instantly, and it's gonna be like this perfect thing, that's like that's a terrible mindset because the reality is this is like all these five lifetimes you and I yeah. have talked about that person if they've been with you that whole time they've also they've also experienced those like those you five bet. different people yeah and that takes that takes cult, you know nourishment too it, it does and look I, I i think it's uh you know you can think about this through the lens of career or or life which is anything of value that's like that like you really value it takes time and it takes effort and it's there are there are no magical moments. It's like these moments are the accumulation of a thousand decisions and activities, whatever work effort you you, you go through. And I think it's it, it's easy to observe from the outside and, and and look at you and the success you've had and say, my gosh, I want to do that. I want to be that. But the question is, what happened to get there? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I always. I give my brother-in-law a hard time because he looks he he follows the best basketball players in the world. Yeah. And he gets so excited about LeBron James like a magical moment. Yeah. And you got to say easy tiger step back and say, "You know what? This guy worked harder than anybody else." Yep. You see the moment of glory, but you know how many millions of free throws this guy has yeah. taken. How much he does to get in shape, work to work out, to be flexible, to have his mind in a good spot. And I just think that there, there is, um, for whatever reason, and, and, and some of it may be generational, that, and that's when I start to sound old when I talk about, <laughs> about generations. <laughs> but I truly believe that you know, an expectation that you're going to get somewhere quickly is just not realistic. I, I, I love the, the analogy of, of epoxy. It's like, you want to do it fast? Well, you can. Yep. But the result will not be the same yeah. as uh, if you're willing to do things the right way. And I, I think about that a lot in, in, in not only my career, but in the business that I'm building now. And this was a little bit of a hard lesson for me. I learned this as I built Skull Candy and we went public. And suddenly you have Wall Street, uh, which is, uh, Wall Street's brutal. Yeah. And they say, we want you to win this quarter. We don't care about next quarter. We don't care about next year, five years from now. We want you to drive revenue, shrink expenses, and generate more profit. And the reality is is that all that really is is a short-term fix mm-hmm. that creates a long-term problem. Yep. And I'm just a big believer, in it. and, and, and I, I preach this constantly at Traeger, which is we're going to do the right thing for this business long-term. And we may not get paid for it today or tomorrow. Yeah. But we're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And how do you make something that's truly lasting? Yeah. Think long term. Mm-hmm. Do the right thing for the long term. Yeah, that's a big problem right now with um, in the in the archery world is there's a lot of equity groups that are buy, you know buying these companies up, and the it just seems like the qual- the product quality changes really fast. Yeah. And you have, the, you know, and it's like a lot of these people that they're wanting to flip numbers during certain specific times because obviously I'm sure their portfolios are like vast. So they're trying to have certain ones hit at certain times, I'm assuming. 
but in the end time and time again i see people that were super loyal brand users yeah. that start to say i don't know if it's the same as it used to be doesn't feel authentic anymore yeah it doesn't you know they, so so that's a super interesting insight um and i really do believe that it is capital coming into businesses that create this urgency to do more with less faster Mm-hmm. And there are just certain laws of physics in a business. Um, and, and, and I remember, and, and, and there's no question, capital's flipping businesses faster, yeah. which means they want a, f- a bigger return uh, in, in a shorter, shorter window. Yeah. And this is a conversation we brought on. I brought in a capital partner at Traeger. Uh, it's been almost two years ago now. And I spent a year getting to know them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we weren't looking to do anything, but uh, but we were open to it at some point in time. And we had really, really deliberate discussions where I made sure that we were aligned on the long-term vision of this business. Yeah, uh, I said, we're going to make some investments here that you will not get paid for because they may take five, seven, ten years yep. to materialize. But if we do the right thing, they'll always be value. Yeah. And for me, it's like it comes down to two fundamental principles. One is you lead with great product. Like that's just, I just think product experience is the most important thing you can invest in. And it takes time. Like it takes time to innovate, design, commercialize, manufacture. Uh, but you lead with great product. Yeah. And that's expensive. Uh, and the other is you are the best partner to everyone, whether you are their customer or they are, or they are your customer or they're your partner. It's like, it's, it doesn't even matter. You know, we are, you know, we're a customer of UPS. Yeah. Uh, we're a customer of a contract manufacturer. Um, how do, do we treat them any differently? No, we want to be their best partner. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, again, capital coming in can make, it can create this frenetic urgency that just it's it motivates you to cut corners and great things aren't built by cutting corners yeah and the other thing too i think once you create that environment where people know that this is a long-term thing and that you're really trying to focus on a product that's going to be here relationships that are going to be here i feel like you're probably probably one of the only three or four people that I know to where the people that are within your business, every single one of them, I, I've, I would say like, I really wish that person, like I could have hired that person because awesome. they seem like such a good, you know, a good employee. And so that. you, you know, you attract, you know, you have, you have ones that are obviously aren't going to work out, but ideally the right environment you attract in these people that are going to help you for the long term and not the short term. Yeah, I think that's, I, I really believe that is everything in a business. You know, you, it's easy to spend so much time talking about strategy and financial outcomes and goals, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But it's really easy, I believe, to confuse the inputs with the outputs. All of those things are outputs. The inputs are people and culture. And, and it's like, it, it's, it's really that simple, although it's easy to forget it. You know, you'll, um, it, and I think you have to be deliberate about how you build that. Um, you know, you'll see on, on my refrigerator, actually the other side of this is, um, it, it's our five corporate, it's our, it's our five company organizational values. Mm-hmm. These are the things that we stand for. And I interview every single person we hire. We have 450 people in this company yep. uh, around the world. I interview them all, and I don't spend time talking about their capabilities, how good they are. I want to know if they believe in the same things that we believe in. Yep. And by the way, I, 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 lo- I, love, I love hearing the comment that you just made, which is like you, you've had positive interactions, and you think highly of the people here that, 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 that you're – friends with and that you interact with that to me is like that's the x factor in business mm-hmm. it's so hard to copy that yeah. if you if you bring people on your team who see life through the same set of lenses then they're going to treat other people the same way and they're going to hire people that really buy into that belief system it's one thing to build physical product it's a hard good 
Yeah. You, you know, there, there's process and science and engineering, but the qualitative, the soft skill side is the people that you let in the door. Realistically, if you have a, if you have a good product, you know, say someone comes out with, I don't know, a brand new way to steer an arrow. That's an awesome product. They start this business. People look at it. They say, okay, yeah, that's the, you know, it's one of those things. Have you ever had products where when you look at it, you, you tell the person not trying to be offensive, like, duh, that was so obvious. Right. Like this has been a problem forever. And now that I look at him, like I'm an idiot. Why couldn't I think of that? I, I, I love that about innovation though. And, and it, it requires, it requires you to step back and say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy into the status quo. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not going to just see the problem the same way that everyone else does. And it's fascinating. It actually frustrates me when someone comes up with this amazing idea and they actually develop a solution to a problem I, I didn't even know I had. And I say, Mike, that's amazing. Like, I, and I, I, there, there's so many examples of companies who have disrupted. Mm-hmm. And we want to be, we at Trader want to be one of those disruptors. But, um, you know, U- Uber, for example, yep. uh, ride, ride sharing. Yeah. You know, I remember the first time I used Uber in China. And I actually got kicked out of China. Um, but I, I'm in Shanghai. Uh, guys, buddies from, from Traeger and I, we're going out to dinner after a long day. And uh, we just start walking around the city. And we end up in a, in a restaurant, some street corner. And we finish. And it's late. And it's dark. And I get on my Uber app. I hit my hotel name. A black Audi pulls up in 60 <laughs> seconds. We get in the car guy doesn't speak english but he smiles us smiles at us and we exchange pleasantry smiles yeah. uh he takes us to the hotel we don't exchange currency he waves by and we go upstairs and and i remember thinking if someone had asked me if i have an issue with taxis yeah you would have never I said, said no it's fine yeah but what it, what it meant in china for example is I got to leave the hotel with a card that says in Chinese the name of the hotel. Yeah. I've got to bring currency. I've got to flag down a cab somewhere. Yep. The driver's got to know where my hotel is. And I've done that a thousand times. Yep. And I just think that's a, like that, that's a, there, there are examples where someone has said, I know your needs. You, you know, you are, you, don't you know. are my customer <laughs> better than you do. Yeah. And so it, it's funny where, we do all this consumer research, and we expect our customer to tell us what their problem is and what the solution is. Like if you talk to someone who's riding, you know, a, a, a horse and buggy to work every day back in the 1800s, hey, what do you really need? They'd say, oh, a, a, a faster buggy. I, yeah. faster, I don't know. Yeah. And and so I just think it's a fascinating thing to step back. The obvious is not so obvious, but the super talented entrepreneurs figure out how to identify it. So if you have that product and you go to like you go into business, for a person, what do you think is a real realistic time frame to where that business will be able to to grow to the point where it would be in the black? I mean, do you think a lot of these, I see in the archery industry too much, people come up with a knickknack, they go to some trade shows, they try to get it in front of a few public people, like, you know, more with floor traffic. And then it seems like, it seems like, like by year one and a half or two, they're already like taking desperate measures because they don't like for knock on, it didn't happen that fast. And yeah. I was told with my, you know, with my shooting career certainly didn't happen that fast. Right. Um, one of the things that's always been tough for me is I don't really like, I don't like, I don't want to come across as like bragging about my past or like showing accomplishments of the past. So I've never really been comfortable showing like prior things that I've done because I always thought, well, that was something I did years ago. Like I don't really need to show people a tournament that I won 10 years ago, but I started to realize once once I started seeing people's posts, there were people saying like, it's so refreshing for people to see that 
you didn't become knock on just because Instagram started. And so all of a sudden I started to realize like, actually, this is an important thing I need to show people. Like there was a time where I was getting a fourth place trophy sitting on a picnic table outside of this little chute where I got a case of the chiggers and you know, I'm sleeping in a tent in the back of my truck. And like, that's what, like, that's where my seeds started. It's part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, 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 so I, I totally believe it is important to tell that, to tell those stories because it's, yeah, you know, I, I was I was speaking to a group of entrepreneurs recently, and um, startup entrepreneurs like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, but going through hard times. Yep. And I was introduced, and of course, when you read a bio, it doesn't say, you know, this guy traveled to internationally a hundred times in coach, in the middle, by the bathroom with no <laughs> reclining, and he slept in a train station. 11 times he couldn't afford hotels it's like the story goes on and on but that's not what the bio says yeah he built skull candy to and 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 i and i heard that and i said and and when i stood up i said hey i just want you to know i know where you are yeah i I didn't get here because i went through easy things and i and i i don't say that to brag i say it because you're gonna go through hard things and it's gonna take time and you're going to be wrong, and you're going to make mistakes. That's just part of the process for learning and for growing. And um, to me, that's like the moments of adversity. And it's kind—it's of, a little bit cliche to say, but they are—they are what make you. And they, you know, as long as you're ambitious, they don't really ever go away. They sort of come and go sometimes. You feel like you can do no wrong. And there are times where you feel like you can do no right. Yeah. And I'll tell you, last year last year was a tough year for certain reasons in this business. And I got my team together and said, guys, we've had four amazing years. What makes us win? Be thoughtful around product innovation. Stay connected to our customer. So we're going to double down on things that we know, we believe in, and are right. Yep. And... We're going to fight through it, and we're going to be just fine. But I had this realization, which is businesses don't go up and to the right forever. They're hard out of the gate, and then, and then they ebb and flow, and you have periods of success. But what, what's different when you have adversity later on in your career is that you have this confidence that you can fight through it mm-hmm. because you've done it before. And you've got these patterns and lessons that you've learned that they don't give you perfect answers, but they give you an approach to problem solving. Yeah. Yep. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. But you know what? If, if it weren't, if it were easy, like I, I, again, it gets back to, I just don't think anything of real value. And when I say real value, real value, you know, to, to you as a person, an entrepreneur, like the definition of value is something that you worked for. Yeah. Who um, is your mentor? I know we've talked because um, Tom Davins. I'm going to do one with Tom too. He's amazing. So, or is he? Well, can, so is he like between you and Tom? He's kind of an equal mentor. So, so it, it interest, interesting to say that my mentor is the person who introduced me to Tom Davin. Oh, really? Yeah, and and so um, a guy named Wayne Marino. Uh, Wayne was the number two guy that, at Under Armour to Kevin Plank mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and helped build that business up to $2 billion. Um, when I was at Skull Candy, I didn't have a mentor. And I'm, like, making this stuff up as they go along. And it's hard. Which is mind-blowing. It's right? hard. It, 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 and, and unfortunately, I didn't understand what a mentor was, how you find a mentor, and I, I was trying to hire a CFO, and people kept saying, hey, there's this guy at Under Armour, COO, CFO, he's retiring, he's moving out west, you should call him. I'm like, okay. And I heard that two or three times, and eventually I tracked down his number, I picked up the phone, and I called him. And Wayne picks up the phone, and I told him who I was. And he spends 45 minutes with me. And it's like the best conversation. And what did that 45 minutes do? 
uh, life changing? W- well, it, it it turned into something that was life changing. That was a start, and I was actually really impressed that he not only took my call, yeah, but he listened, he asked questions, and at the end, and but this was a moment of kind of this was kind of a moment of desperation in my career. Like I, I was I was struggling. It was hard. I didn't know how to tell my company that this was hard. We're going through a tough time, and so finding someone of this guy's caliber that that took my call and listened was awesome. Yeah. A second thing that happened at the end of the call, he said, "Look, I'm going to be I'm going to be heading out west in a couple weeks. Um, I'm going to Tahoe. I can come through Salt Lake, and we'll spend a little bit of time together." And I'm like, "Great, I would love that." Two weeks later, he shows up in my office with his bags. And I think we stayed for a long lunch. Stayed for two and a half days. Really? Actually slept in my basement. <laughs> and like he stuck around and, and and I unloaded all of my problems. And like I've got whiteboard stuff all over the walls of my office. And I'm frantically like whiteboarding issues. He'd step up and he'd help me help me walk through him. I'd take a picture, we'd erase it. And like the fact that this guy spent that kind of time with me. And then he became a mentor, and and he would come down every couple of months, and we'd spend time together. And I actually remember when I was looking at Traeger, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, I've got an idea. You know, no one knows me better than you do from a career perspective. Yeah, um, I need your advice." And his comment was, "Dude, uh, come on up here. Let's let's hike for a couple. Let's bring your mountain bike. Come up to Tahoe. We'll mountain bike hike." We'll cook outdoors. We'll hang out. We'll talk through it. And the best thing in the world. And by the way, so he's been such an amazing mentor. He's on the board of Traeger today because he's he's someone whose advice I came to value so much. And, um, it, and it actually, it motivated me to be a mentor as well. You realize when someone picks up the phone and calls and says, uh, I have a problem. I need your help. Yeah. You've been through this. And um, when they've been really thoughtful around it, you want to help because yeah. someone helped you. Yeah. The value of that's so crazy. The, I, I feel like I can't even express enough how blessed I've been with just some of the people that I've met like within the last, I would say the last five years. And it seems like people like that they kind of gravitate and they'll be like in certain cells or like in certain nucleus. And it, it really takes hard work to get noticed for one thing to where all of a sudden you meet one of those people. And then they, they give you a little bit of advice. And at that point it's, are you a coachable person? Cause some people aren't. And some people have a hard time being like, really, that seems like a, like a bold, bold move. Yeah. But when you look at their track record, you think, okay, I'm going to trust this a little bit. And then all of a sudden through that, they see you did it. They see that it's working and they say, you know what? I'm going to introduce you to, to so-and-so. I think you guys might have a little bit of synergy yes. that'll work out. And then all of a sudden for me, I started to realize between you, Denny, who, you know, unfortunately isn't here. Love him dearly. I, I, I haven't traded text with him since yesterday. <laughs> I, I miss him yeah, like I a week and a half later. I know. I was hoping he was here. I saw his uh, his his big poster. I don't think it's life-size. You guys gave him some height for, <laughs> for that poster. It is not life-size. It's way bigger than <laughs> yeah, life-size. Yeah. But um, people like Denny, you know, to, to share a few hunting camps and, like, um, Traeger shoots with him to where I could sit down and talk to him about a few things. And he just, he, some of the advice is so sound yeah. that all of a sudden you do it. And then you catch the eye of, you know, like someone like Evan from black rifle, who I want to have where all of a sudden Evan comes in and he's like, this thing you're doing is like fascinating. You know, he's like how, you know, when I look at your, the way that you're educating people and like how your business, he's like, I just, we don't see like ambassadors with like organic growth like this, you know? And he's just like, the way you're doing it is, yeah. is so, re- so cool. And he's like, we want to, we want to implement that as our company, you know, as in some of the things that we're doing as a company. So they started kind of gearing some of their videos or, you know, around that's that. Awesome. And then now because that's working out, you know, I'm able to have 
like last night Evan and I sat down at dinner and I just ran a few little things by him and he just he started to to go down these directions where it's like people like that where if you have their time yeah they're, they're it's, it's life-changing it, it you know it is life-changing and and this took me a while to this took me a while to to understand and I remember at business school people used to print their their business cards and would say you know class of 2002 and networking for them was going to cocktail parties and handing out business cards never and been to one it so <laughs> inauthentic yeah. it's like and by the way for a guy like i'm a pretty introverted guy there's nothing i hated more than showing up to these events and so for a long time after school i was just like i was a head down grinder get it done and 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 i eventually realized that if you lift your head up and you develop relationships with people suddenly your networks start to collide and it's important for two reasons one is the greatest satisfaction you have in business is relationships and when you start to meet people you really like you want to do business with people you like yeah um like that that to me is everything the second is that you can't do it all yourself you want to learn not only learn from other people and and their experience but you want to be part of their network. You want to. Be, you want their friends to be your friends. Mm-hmm. That just accelerates getting things done. And so I'm a big believer. Like extend yourself. And by the way, the 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 the, the, the there's reciprocation in this is which which is you need to be willing to help others. Yeah. You know you need to be willing to make the introductions and connect people. And it, and and if you're equally on both sides of that, it's like that's how things get done and it's so fun yeah what's the best piece of advice he gave you if you picked out one you know what so um when i came when i decided to do traeger he said this is finishing school for you you need to be more methodical around how you plan your business this time than you were the first time around skull candy sort of happened very organically and some things went well and some things went poorly and I had to learn from them. Yeah. But he said, write about your skull candy experience, write about all of the things that you can do better and then methodically incorporate them the next time around. And I will tell you, it's sort of like we, we it's easy to look back at the things that you do well, but the reality is when I committed my I when I committed my experience to paper and it wasn't like it was wasn't in complete sentences and it wasn't like this is not publishable stuff. <laughs> I sat down and a notebook and started to write about it started with here were the painful things that happened. Here's what I did wrong, here's how I build differently the next time. And he was simply suggesting that you have to learn from you have to learn from your past. You have to recognize patterns and when you do you can make better decisions faster. So like Skull Candy was like a checker game, whereas he said with Traeger, now this is chess. This is chess. You need to think many moves ahead. Okay. Because you, you've seen the patterns. Don't make the decision right before you're going to make the move. Yeah. And, and again, like a, a lot of these concepts, they, 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 come, they, they, they collide, which is think long-term, do the right thing for the business long-term, be thoughtful and um you, you know that that was like it, it was actually scary to me how many if, how many things i did wrong the first time around but it's refreshing to know that these things aren't rocket science just don't ever repeat the same mistake twice okay learn from the patterns well so that that's my next question then i wanted to ask you if you could pick one single decision that you've made somewhere what would you do different or what what was the mistake and what do you looking back just be like that one time i know it's like gone but man do i think about it oh that's a great question where do i start like how many (laughs) mistakes are here i'll I'll tell you about i'll tell you about one and and like mistakes often happen in a moment or a situation but the application of of what you can do differently comes around over and over over time so for me, uh, I'd hired someone at Skull Candy who was really good at what he did, but was 
a very toxic member of the team culturally. And I kept him yep. because he just kept doing good work. And I kept finding a reason to justify keeping him on the team, knowing that he was he was being disrupt, disruptive and destructive to culture. And I believe that culture was so important, but he was so good. Yeah. And I look back on that and I said, you know what? It, it, the ends did not justify the means. Like the the process was bad. You you have to protect culture with your life, and that means you protect who you bring in the door. And if you don't get it wrong, you have to be willing to make a change. Yeah. And it's not personal, but if someone is not going to elevate your team culturally, then they cannot be part of the team. And so that that was a lesson. And fortunately, I think we've gotten better at at putting the team together but where we have made mistakes we have made changes quickly and that was a great lesson that was hard for me to make the first i was a young ceo Mm -hmm. but i look back and i said i i I did the wrong thing yeah that's a very common denominator with people in your position because i ask this question a lot the the best things I've learned in my career were my biggest mistakes. Cause I'm like, man, that hurts so, so bad. But if like I made it through that, as long as I don't ever do it again, if it doesn't I'll live. kill you, you better freaking learn from it. Yeah. Well, I asked this to Evan too. And his, he says the exact same thing. He said he had people that he, he said he was, he said he was quick to hire and slow to fire. And he said that if he were to change one thing in his business, he would flip that. Yes. Because he said it's. He said there's, there's been time. He's like, then there's there's people that are still like good friends. And he's like, but I had to just tell him like, dude. There, like, it's not like it's not me and you together every day. There's like a team. It's about the team. Yeah, it's, it's a always team, about the team. And like there's just certain things that don't work out with the team. And he said, there's the ones that he's that have like taken him to where he's had to put so much effort to dig out of it is when he left him there too long because he just, he liked them or he just knew that they were so capable Yeah, and he just, you know, you look past. I've regretted that every time I've waited too long. I feel like there's one person at every company or, I think there's one person with every um, every friend I have that I really, really respect. It seems like there's always that one person around them where you're like, dude, you are so smart with your business decisions, your family choices, everything. But like, wh- how am I not seeing that this person around you, like how do you not see their true colors? It seems like there's always one Every business I've worked at, there's always been one where, it, where, you know, when the when the meeting doors close, people are like, "What does the boss see in this guy?" And you know, like it, whenever, no whenever, one, and you can't like you feel like I've I've told him two or three times, like, yeah. this is really dragging us down a, a terrible rat hole. And it's like once he's like, "Yeah, I know," but you guys, you know, I'll deal with that. And it's like once you've it's said it answer. once or twice, you can't like you don't want to be the guy that's just this every time you see your boss and their their window of communication time with you is was is minimal it's like i don't want it to be five minutes of negative because obviously when you knock on the door he's going to be like i'm busy you know yeah and and it's interesting they recognize it and i was in that spot i recognized and i wasn't willing to acknowledge it because i didn't want to make the hard decision but when you've had a mo and, and, and I, I have, I've let enough people go and I'm friends with all of them. Like it, it, there was, it, you learn to have this very empathetic conversation, which is this is about the team and the fit's not working. You know, it's not about someone being a bad human being. This fit doesn't work. Yeah. Business is a team sport. Yeah. And when, when you've gone through it and you've made hard decisions and it works, and, and there's chemistry and there's camaraderie and there's no need to shut the door to have a conversation about something, someone. Yep. That's when teams do remarkable things. What do you think, um, what do you think on this same aspect, you know, we talk about these same qualities from an ambassador point of view? Cause I think 
look from from my aspect with with Traeger, um, I feel like you guys reached out to a lot of ambassadors early, and I feel like as I'm seeing it, you're really starting to like double down on the ones that have the attributes that you really see doing the right things. Absolutely. What are those things? Because so many people right now want to be, they want to be a pro shooter. Yeah. They want to be, you know, and I was in there. I was shooting in the amateur class. You know, how do I get my first sponsor? And I continually try to talk about these topics because so many times I see people jumping ships too fast and it's almost like the same thing. It's like, listen, I highly doubt you're going to find a good you know, and I don't want to say sponsor because to me, you guys are, you know, you're, I almost feel like you're, you know, you're like, you're like a brand partner it's a great for partnership. us. Yeah. It's a partnership. And, and I, and I tell people, I'm like, that didn't happen just based on what they did for me. Yeah. I want to be the person where when they sit into a meeting and an accountant, which normally looks at like staffers, they're looking at like, from a bean counter's point of view, yeah. they're looking at this is black and white, which field represent representation is that is the hardest thing to put a marketing value on. And I feel like if you don't have, if you don't have like, you know, that root system established to where you believe in the product so much, and then you believe in the relationship of the person that you have there, then at that point, it's like, how do I do something to where if you're growing, I'm growing? I don't think people do look you know, at I, it that way. I, I think it's it's critical if you only look at this thing from a dollars and cents perspective, um, you will make bad decisions. And so for us, when we think about uh, our, our ambassadors and who we really want to partner with, uh, it all starts with uh, partners who buy into our mission. We want partners who believe in what we're doing and really represent us and live our values. Now, of course, there, there is a business component to it, but that is always second. The partnership has to work because ground zero in, in this office here at Traeger, we decide who we want to be. And then we need partners that represent us that way where, where we feel so much confidence that they're off leading living their lives building their brand and 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 we are a part that's just totally authentic and consistent and um you know we we've actually had some some ambassadors where they had good they had good follow fo followers they you know they they they, they and they're good they, people like they're some good of people them, yeah they're but yep. they but if 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 they don't believe in what we're doing and it's not a partnership that we think is great for both of us then it's the wrong thing long term, and yeah. so we're we really are doubling down where it's working, and there's great alignment to us. I mean, it, again, it's like where where is the you know where where does business and personal start and stop? I don't know. It's not you, you know my my business and personal like they're so interconnected. Yeah, um, and I and I see the same thing with our partnerships. It's like. They all have to blend together, and they need to feel organic and natural, or it's the wrong partnership. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, I think people need to, at least from my point of view, I have partners in business, so to speak, that I've leaned down. Like I don't look at my partners in business as like a distributor mentality where I can do small volume with a lot of people it might be safe if someone comes or goes like, cause it doesn't hit you as hard, but it's almost like I want to have a smaller group to where I can really do my job well for those people. And I've honestly, um, I feel bad saying this at times, but I kind of feel like I'm taking the advice of like you or Evan, um, from a business perspective of, you know, I took like an evaluation of just the people in my phone Yeah, and it's like, how many of these people yeah. are always asking for something? Yeah, that's, inter that's interesting. How many are asking for something? And then how many of them, then I kind of went like, okay, if they're not asking for something, how many of them 
every time I talk to him, like we go down a negative rat hole where it's, you know, it's kind of like calling Debbie Downer yeah. every time. Because when you're trying to assess how much time of the day you have, I want to be able to have 45 minutes with someone like you or Evan, you know, or some of my other friends right. where it's like, if anything, if these guys need my help today, I want to be able to, to do that. I don't, you know, it feels like you need to, to do less tasks twice as good. And then, it's, and then it seems like it all starts to work. I so, fir- I so firmly believe that, um, you know, it, it's, a. Uh, I, I read a book about a year ago that I loved called essentialism. And it basically, it, it, it gets to the heart of this, this principle, which is you can only swing big on so many things in life. The more you add to your plate, the more things you try to do, the more you dilute everything that you do. And I think that principle cuts across everything in business. Go big on what, choose a few things and go big on them. Mm-hmm. And I think this, the same is true with partnerships. Fewer but deeper and more meaningful partnerships in business is ultimately how you do big things. It's easy. There is a slippery slope to, to believing that adding one more thing, one more partner, one more skew, one more product, that it, that it all adds to your business. But at a certain point, it starts to detract. Yep. And gr- great companies, if you like, like, the brands that you respect the most, they do a few things really really well yeah yeah i agree i've had a few people come to us with concepts where i'm like this is a really cool idea but the best thing i can do to help you is i would love to buy some for myself but you know it's as much as i want to do it i feel like it'll distract things that are to our business are more important right now and even though you think that you really want me to help you push this I'm not going to be able to push it That's with, right. with all my force anyway. You can't, you can't so, do, it ju- do it justice. Yeah, so I'm going to be a disappointment to you three years down the road because I'm, I'm not – I can tell you right now I can't give you 100%. You're going to get 50. Saying no is so hard sometimes, but, some, but oftentimes saying no allows you to focus your, your energy, your resources on fewer things and actually do them well. How much do you feel like you need to uh, to set aside um, out of like what your company's doing for marketing purposes? Do you, is there like a set number on that, or does it really depend on where your business you, is you at? You know, it, it it depends. So, um, in our first year, six years ago, there was no marketing department, not, not a single person there, not a single dollar had been spent, and I remember Denny and I looking at each other and saying, every time we spend a dollar. It's a dollar that we hadn't spent the year before, so we got it. We got to get a return on it because otherwise, it just it, it comes out of the bottom line. Yeah. And so over time, we've been increasing that. Uh, and, and I and fortunately, we're getting like our customers are responding really well to it. So I would say that it's different depending upon every brand. It's depending on the life cycle of the brand, the 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 opportunity, how much capital you have, but um, it's something that uh, we have increased every year for six years, and we're going to increase it even more next year. Uh, the percentage is growing as a percentage of sales, yep. but because our business is growing fast, the dollar the dollar number is growing very, it very quickly. It grows with it. I just I you have to be careful marketing spend if not done right, it, it can burn a hole in your pocket. Oh, yeah. You just have to be super careful that you know that you are doing, you are getting a return. Someone's listening when you speak. Yeah, yeah. I felt bad the other day. A friend of mine sent me a new product that he's he's launching this company. He sent me the new product. He didn't send me like one or two to try. He sent me like 20 packs, and then he sent, sent, sent me six hats. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking like, Honestly, when I started, six hats to me, like back when I was having to do like a run of 50 at the embroiderer to like get... It's like cut your 50. left arm off. Yeah, to. yeah. I'm thinking some of that stuff's like simple. At, you know, sometimes you just need to ask someone, hey, if I send you a hat, will you wear it? You know, if they commit to Absolutely. it, then send it. But 
from a business point of view, I think you can kill yourself fast by like overloading people with product. Yes. Overloading people with with POP because the bottom line is some people aren't going to use it. If they go to something specific to use it, just, you know, you don't want to have all of your, all of your spend laying on the streets. And, and by the way, I'm not mar- Vegas- marketing you can really quickly if you're not careful. Kill yourself. Yeah. I'm not a Vegas fan. Like, I'm not big on Vegas. But every morning I get up and, you know, I like to run at, at daylight. So I'd get up and I'll run and find a place to get coffee. And I look on the streets and it's just like there's sw- street sweepers just sweeping up the all the all the night before all like the, four hours before. yeah all the you know people slapping the business yep. cards at you and uh it makes you wonder it's like if they're dumping a hundred bucks like how much it, is this really like smart you, you know have you don't want to be that, that. You're getting a return you you would rather increase your marketing spend slowly and feel really good about it. I I sat on um uh, on on the board of a really great brand that I loved uh, called Goal Zero. Okay. And um we started getting traction and there was a year where we massively increased our marketing spend and our revenues didn't grow. And it was painful. Yeah. And um that was a lesson to me that you need to manage these things like very de- deliberately and very cautiously and carefully. If you try and do, it gets back to our early conversations. Do things slowly and thoughtfully and, and make it count. Mm-hmm. You can't accelerate things too quickly or you'll get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I've, I've looked at that MC Hammer story so many times about. Oh, my like, gosh. Is that crazy? Like how big he got? And then all of a sudden it's just like the entourages and the stuff that's they a cla- bankrupt isn't that a classic example of like this business that couldn't have been at a higher like a higher position right and then it was just it like loose, it loose got so spend. loose yeah. and when you it's like it's almost crazy how fast it completely nosedived yeah it was like instantaneous listen uh i'm a big believer we don't uh we don't need to make all of the mistakes to learn we can also learn from other people's experiences. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping people will do with this podcast. So, so last question. Yeah, go for it. What did you, when you were a kid, what did you want to do? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know what? So, so this is... Because this you're in a position now where I'm almost thinking, like, at what point did, you know, was Jeremy just like, I want this really cool company? And then all of a sudden it's... Now you're on boards. Now you yeah. like you t- you were you probably could have. And there's a lot of people like this. It's like they could they could take that awesome business that worked, and they could probably just go have a good old time on a beach somewhere. But then they they have to, you know they their competitors which they have I have to come. no interest in doing whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, and I could if I wanted. <laughs> you, you know what? Uh, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, so I want to know what you want. My to ambitions be. have changed over time. So what was the first? Uh, I wanted to be a CEO. Like I really? Wanted to be a successful businessman since I was like five years old. I was always selling stuff. I had a paper route in Minnesota when I was uh, when I was six. Okay, I wake is up awesome. at four thirty in the morning yep. in twenty below weather, and I would deliver newspapers. Well, you had to rubber band them first. Yes, because the I worst did that. thing in the world: stuffing the Sunday paper. <laughs> yeah, horrible. This big metal cart that I would pull around the neighborhood. Um, I wanted to be a business leader, and I, I don't know. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, business leader, and it's interesting. Uh, I, I got to where I wanted to be. Um, sooner than I expected in my career. And by the way, there's so much luck that went into that. Of course I worked hard, yeah. but everybody works hard. Yep. And um, my perspective is different now, which is I love what I do. I don't do it for the money. There is not a single day that I wake up and say, how do I make more money? Yeah. I wake up and I say, I love building this, but more importantly, what I want to do what do I want to do when I grow up? I want to do something that's meaningful for other people. Yeah. That 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 to me is everything. And so when I figured out that there is no end point to the journey in a career, 
you get to the top of the mountain, you realize there are a hundred mountains higher. Yeah. Then you step back and say, what really motivates me every morning? And it's to do something that's important for other people. Yeah. It's this right now, but um, that, that, but that to me is a greater driving force than just selling widgets and building a business. Yeah. I, my first job, my first job was um, cleaning pet cages at a pet store. I was definitely not legal labor. It was like and that's 11, a hard 11 job. or 12. And then um, the next time I was probably illegally working was um, washing dishes on for Friday night fish fries, which you being in Minnesota, you probably know like uh, Wisconsin and Illinois. 100%. Friday, yeah. And so then my next job was paper boy. I did papers too. And the reason I did that was because it looked cool on the game Paperboy. Do you remember Paperboy? Was it Nintendo or Atari? I think it was Nintendo. <laughs> Dude, I Yeah. That game and then the movie That's mo- so funny. And then the movie Rad. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> had me like you're, you're I dating g- both of us right now. <laughs> yep. I showed someone the other day, because um, I know you do some biking. Yep. So you watch Rad? Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, did you ever watch Thrasher, the skateboarding yes. version? That was Josh Brolin. Do you know that? Oh, my gosh. That's Josh Brolin. That's crazy. The main guy. So there was another BMX movie back then from the 80s where Nicole Kidman got her first start. Did you know that? No. Have you ever seen BMX Bandits? No. With the three? No. Like one had a red bike, one had a yellow bike. It one sounds had a like I'm going bike. on Netflix tonight. Yeah, BMX Bandits. And it's Nicole Kidman. I think it's like her first movie. I would have thought that's this. where Nicole Kidman started. Yeah, I remember watching it at one time. And uh, I remember I went through this this kick like, two or three years ago where I went on Amazon. I got, I got Amazon gift cards for Christmas. So I'm like, what do I need? What should I get? That would just be fun. So I went on Amazon and I just bought like rad BMX bandits (laughs) thrasher. I got, um, blizzard of Oz. Like when I used to, when I first started skiing, got like some of the old, um, I've got, um, search for animal chin from like, Remember, like, the old Palo Peralta? Oh, my gosh. Do you remember? Do you know some of these that yes. I'm saying? So Anciently. Yeah. So once I started going back and looking, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I can't. <laughs> so I have, to, I have to type this out. We'll end it with you. Uh, I love it. With you seeing this. Um, so this is it right here. You, you can all Google BMX bandits. This is it right here. So what <laughs> that's Nicole. you are kidding me <laughs> i love it boy yep. how how 80s does that look it's coming back dude if you had that bike with like the the yellow tires and the yellow mags and the and the, the with the pads one piece oh yeah <laughs> i mean she's got shin guards and that's everything amazing. yeah it'd be awesome well jeremy thank dude, you so this is much amazing so good to know you Super thanks for fun. everything I, I i love uh i've i've enjoyed the conversation you're a good dude. Love love being connected to you. Your brand was life-changing for me. And it was uh, a valid point. This is something that's important, too. The very first time um, Tyler Stark, which people have heard Tyler on the podcast before, the very first time Tyler reached out to me, he's like, uh, we had a mutual friend, Zach Leader, yeah. who was at UA. Yep. And I think, did you, I think Tyler worked with Zach somewhere else. Uh, well, we we worked together at Skull Candy. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's where so it is. Zach. I think Zach gave Tyler my name. Tyler called and said, "Zach tells me you're really into cooking wild game," and he's telling me this thing. And he said, "You know, we're we're really looking for the right people." He said, "Can I send you a grill?" And I remember saying, "Well, I've never really heard of it." And I said, "I'll buy a grill." And he goes, "Well." do you know how much they are or does and i just said no i said i I said i trust zach and i said but i'm not going to talk about a product just because i got one right i said so i go i go let me give you a card i'll buy it and he's you know and he's he kind of played you guys down he said we're growing we're a growing company and i said i'll buy i would take my card i said just send it and he goes do you know how they work i go no i'm like don't tell me i said i want a, a full user experience so i gave him my card and the grill landed on a friday 
I went out and I'm like, I just want to be a consumer. Cut the straps off the pallet, lifted the the cover off the grill, awesome. and just open the directions. It's the best way. And I'm like, the very first thing that got me was it's like, you know, to start your like assembly, you need a six pack of beer. Like to me, that was, I was like, are you kidding me? And I'm so glad you did it that way. I did it that way, a hundred percent. I went through the startup, and I and I thought, you know what, this is something that if this works out. It's easy for people to do because I, d I really don't want to like represent products that yeah, give people problems. Important. And so um, I think I started with like the very first recipe in your book. I'm like, I'm just going to start with the first recipe in the book and I forget what it was. And then I did um, some like venison backstraps. Then I'm like, these are like in all of them immediately, Sharon and Harry were like, what's different about this? And I'm like, can you tell they a difference? It. Yeah. Wow. They tasted it Love instantly. It. And then by Sunday, I had done pork butts, and I called Tyler on the Sunday. Granted, I got my grill on Friday. By then, I'd cooked probably five meals. This is days later. Two, I called him on Sunday, and I said, hey, dude. And he goes, I figured you would have called me yesterday. And I'm like, I had to make sure. It. And I said, um, I said, so, hey, man, I'm like, this could easily be the best thing I bought. And I remember he's like, I had a bet at work. I held your credit card. He's like, I knew you'd call. I love Monday. it. I can't believe I haven't heard this before. Yeah. And that's how it started. Like, so I tell people all the time, I'm like, the best thing you can do is take the, take the cover off and just have fun. Like going it. through the, yeah. like the instruction manual. Like it's, it's fun. And I told people, I'm like, if you really want to get super good at it, I said every week, and this is one thing Sharon and I did. Every week we picked one recipe. We just we did one recipe in the book. We just started at the front, went to the back, and just you know awesome. over the course of a few years, you yeah. like try everything, and you just realize all of it tastes different. And it's it's a game changer. It's a real deal for me. If I want like if I want to do something good for someone. I get them a grill. Like, I get them a Traeger. That's awesome. And it's like, this will change your life. You no, know? no one lives the, life, the Traeger lifestyle better than you do. And we I don't know it. about that. Dude, I follow you. There's some great You ones. do the best stuff. <laughs> it's amazing. Cool, man. All right, man. Thank hey, thanks so, so much. much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com. <laughs>